This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Underwriting has been provided by RSM, providing audit, tax, and consulting services in the middle market automotive industry. challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, Audit, Tax and Consulting for the Middle Market. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Welcome to AutoLine This Week. On today's show, we're going to be talking with Sandy Schwartz. He's the president and CEO of Cox Automotive. Maybe you haven't heard of Cox Automotive. I'll bet you've heard of a number of their brands like Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader, Mannheim Auctions and, and V Auto, whole bunch of them. And Sandy is going to be talking to us about things that we see going on in the auto industry right uh, now. Sandy, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, John. It's great to be here with you. I love talking to you. Okay, great. Also joining us today are Joe White from Reuters. Hello there, Hi, Joe. Dan. And Hi, David Dan. Welch Hi. from Bloomberg. Hello, yeah, David. How's it going? Good. Glad to have all, all of you here. Sandy, we have a lot to talk about, and it, it's not the best of times. Oh, my gosh. Look at what's going on right now. We've got this COVID pandemic. We've had the industry shut down, massive unemployment. We've got protests going on all across the country right now. I'm just wondering what you, as the president and CEO of Cox Automotive, is focusing on right now. Well, I have to tell you, John, the very first thing before we get into business is we're really, really focused on our employees. I mean, this is a, a unprecedented time in our country, and we care about how our employees feel. We care about you know the things that are uh, bearing down on them in addition to the racial unrest uh, that we see and, and what we're trying to, to help people get through all of this. Many of them are at home taking care of their kids, trying to work. So there's the big picture of life, which is most important to us and important to everybody, important to our dealers, uh, important to the OEMs and so forth. And then there's a secondary part of we've got to do business. And so we went to a point where we screeched to a halt. I mean, basically, we were pretty much out of business for a month. We're seeing business come back. I'm encouraged. Uh, I have two worries about the future, which we'll, I know we'll all talk about, one being uh, another outbreak of the pandemic getting worse, and also what's going to happen with unemployment, whether people are going to have money to buy cars. But I will tell you, I see some light on the business side where we see business getting better and getting better quickly. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, because uh, we have seen sales improve a little bit. But uh, just recently, Alex Partners came out with uh, a look at the automotive industry globally, and they're saying things are not going to recover until 2025. How do you see it? Well, I think I think you have to uh, uh, gauge what recover means. I mean, back to where we were, uh, continuing on the growth span, continuing mobility where it was. Look, what we see today is we're at about 85% of the business that we were at before the pandemic. Um, and we see that coming, you know, slowly back on two sides. The wholesale business is coming back. There's some demand. Uh, dealers had a pretty good late or a pretty good Memorial Day. They're needing to restock their inventories. 
We do know they're low on new car inventories. If you want to buy a truck or an SUV today, you could probably go do it, but you probably couldn't get the color you want and you couldn't get some of the, the features you want. On the, uh, on the retail side, uh, we're seeing traffic pick up at dealerships. So sure, I do, I, it's the new world out there. We're all recalibrating, you know, but I'm a lot more optimistic than thinking it's gonna take till 2025. I think that the end of this year, the next six, seven months are gonna be difficult. They're gonna be up and down. We're gonna see that W, not that V or that U. And then I think 21 is gonna be a reset year. And then I think we're gonna see momentum coming back as jobs come back and as uh, need comes back for automobiles. I'm wondering on the used side of the business, um, we've been looking at that, and it seems as if you've had a real roller coaster there. You had, you know, you know, no business at all, cars stacking up, uh, presumably in Mannheim. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, people buying them and inventories are short. I mean, to talk about that side of your business and and what are you doing that's different uh, to cope with the sort of the volatility in that in that part? You have to remember at our auto auctions. Um, you know, 11 years ago, when I went to just run Mannheim before there was Cox Automotive, we were doing about 10% of our transactions in some digital form. My goal was to get us to 50%. By the end of December, we were doing 50% of our transactions in some digital form. Could have been simulcast. It could have been OBE. It could have been Mannheim.com. But there were still 50% of cars that were sold through the lane with a bunch of dealers in the lane trying to buy them. We went overnight, we basically shut down, we were doing maybe 10 or 15% of the volume, but we went overnight to 100% digital selling. So this is a new norm. And I have to be honest with you, um, I'm kind of the maverick out there, Joe, but I'm not sure we'll ever go back to it. Yeah, you, you anticipated my next obvious question, which is, are, are you gonna go back? To and if we do, I still believe there are some cars that probably need to go through a lane. They're, you know, they're older cars. Condition reports are harder to do, but overall, I don't believe we need to. It's safer, it's faster, uh, it's more efficient. Now, there's a second part of your question that that you know you you all have written about or you all have talked about, which is really important, and that's pricing of used cars. I had dealers call me as soon as this started in a panic and saying, "What car should I sell? I've got inventory. I mean, it's never going to be worth what I paid for it." And that's a scary thing when you think about dealers who have floor plan cars at a certain price. And so we're working through that. We're seeing prices stabilize. It feels a little better, but I don't see a new norm as long as we have that, what you said, that bounce uh, up and down. I will tell you this, um, the people who are really good at this, and we have a lot of dealers and consigners who are really good, they have figured out how to use the market. And they sold a lot of cars right away because they figured, the price was never coming back, and they held cars that they knew that would be valuable, SUVs, trucks, and so forth, late model cars. And so they've rationalized their inventory. But what we see on the uh, auction side and on the wholesale side is uh, kind of a, a, a cautious one. Now, after the Memorial Day weekend, as I referenced earlier, we saw a big rush back to the auctions this week because inventories went way down. I mean, people yeah. sold, dealers sold a lot of their used cars and they need to get cars back on their lots. As a matter of fact, this week, we did 90% of the business at our auctions that we did a year ago. And so, um, you know, that's pretty good. I don't expect that to remain. I think we'll come down some, but that's kind of where we are right now. So you see it as as, as being volatile over the I do, and it's, it's okay. tough because everybody loves uh, predictability and everyone loves calm. And look, in every part of our life, it's not happening right now. 
So, Sandy, who, who's buying the used cars at the dealer level? This is a sector I was worried about for the rest of the year because a lot of the jobs that have been lost, service sector jobs, particularly restaurants and that sort of thing, they're lower paying jobs. Those people go to the used car market for their vehicles. So I thought, you know, the sort of the lower rungs of uh, of income and therefore people who buy used were going to be the most affected by what's been going on. And so, the markets come roaring back. So are these just off lease cars where people who still make pretty good money are buying pretty expensive used cars or is it the cheap ones that Hertz has had to unload? What are you seeing out there? So, David, uh, it's really uh, an interesting phenomenon. I've got some statistics, statistics I just saw yesterday of our research department. So, first of all, let's talk about dealers. Uh, we do a sentiment rating on how people are feeling about things, uh, dealers, and we do this, you know, sometimes once a month. It depends on the times. We're doing it every week. Um, about 20 to 25% of the franchise dealers are concerned about their future. I mean, they feel like, you know, we're going to get through this, but they're concerned. Only about 10% of them have any concern they're going to go out of business, that they're not going to be able to make it. Our last sentiment survey, 45% of the independent dealers. And so, of course, these are dealers who don't have franchises. They're not, you know, they're not the Toyotas. They're not the, uh, the Nissans. They're not the Hondas. They're not the GM cars. They're not Ford. 45 to 47% of them are worried about whether they will be able to sustain their business. And they're the heart and soul of who sells these cars, which you reference. Now, your question was, who's buying them? Um, I think it's really interesting. This is the other thing I really worry about that you know both of you kind of indicated to is not everybody is feeling the horrible pain as long as their unemployment check is coming and the stimulus check is coming. It's a little bit like tax season where people uh, were getting, you know, in previous years, getting the money. The first thing they did was go put that down on a car and lease a car. I worry a lot about the end of August and September when some of these stimulus checks uh, stop coming in and benefits run out. And at that point, how many people are back to work? So directly answering your question, that kind of shapes the market. Answering your question, though, there are still a lot of people who are, you know, frontline nurses, who are barbers, uh, who work in restaurants, and some of them are coming back. Um, a lot of people who still need reliable transportation. And we have not seen any flux of uh, off-lease cars come back because basically what the OEMs did, what the captives did, they said during March and April and May, they said, don't bring your cars back. Just, you know, pay us what you've been paying us. We don't want them back because they had no way to really dispose of them. That glut of cars is going to come in. And so the people that we see when we do some studies at the dealership are still, you know, and I don't want to categorize people, that's not fair, but they're people who need reliable transportation. And then let's throw one more thing at this. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but, um, you know, there are people who are going to be hesitant about public transportation, about getting in an Uber, getting in yeah. a Lyft, until they have a better feel on how that this pandemic's going to affect them. So we see it in a lot of different ways. Um, but again, people are going to need reliable transportation. And that car that's three to seven years old seems to fall in that category. I was going to follow up on the point about, you know, a, a new, a new, a new to you vehicle, be it, you know, late model used or, or brand new um, as an alternative to, you know, airplanes, uh, trains and, and, and subways. I mean, do you have, I'm just curious to what extent you're trying to sort of proactively go out and, and anticipate just how big that demand could be, because I, I buy your theory, but I have no data to not much data to support the theory. And I'm just wondering what you're trying to do uh, or dealers are trying to do to 
figure out just how big that particular slice of demand could be. So here's the first thing, here's the first thing I would tell you, and that is uh, our economist, Jonathan Smoke, who I think, obviously, I think he's fantastic. Last year, he did about 40 presentations to dealers, you know, just talking about the economy, talking about how he sees unemployment, talking about the market and so forth. During the first 90 days of the pandemic, he did 100 presentations. So the people who are asking the questions are dealers and people who deal in cars. They're trying to figure out what is that market going to be like and who's going to have money to buy cars. So look, I, I don't have, I also don't have uh, quantitative data that tells me uh, this is who's going to buy the cars and are they really going to be able to afford them. I will tell you this. Um, repossessions have been way down over the past year because the economy has been really good. We expect repossessions to go up. People are going to buy cars who can't afford them. Uh, second of all, um, we still hear from people, you know, even if I had the average of 2.3 cars um, and I cut down to, you know, one car um, because I was taking Uber and Lyft and so forth, people still believe one family will have at least one car because they just need that flexibility, they need where to go. And we do have quantitative data that tells us that. Now, the third part is the real question mark, which we've all talked about, and that is, are we gonna be able to afford these cars? Because these are people who are working people who need to have jobs. Um, I have to tell you, when I look at a city like Las Vegas, which has 33% unemployment, which, you know, the casinos are open, but they're opening up at 30% capacity. Uh, are the entertainers there, the shows ever gonna come back? I think that it's going to be more regional and market by market. Some markets will be affected more or less. I talked to someone, a dealer in Houston, and he said, I only care about one thing. Get the price of gasoline to $2.50. If it gets there, I know the refineries are working. People are back to work and people will be able to afford cars. Um, I, I know I could talk a lot about this, but here's the last thing I would tell you. Um, we know people have to make their mortgage or rent payments. We know they have to put food on the table. The automobile comes next. They've got to get to work. So I, even in a tough, tough economy, I do think there's going to be demand and people are going to figure out ways to be able to buy a car or at least have viable transportation. Sandy, do you think uh, automakers, uh, dealers, consumers are going to need help from Washington, more stimulus? And if you do, what do you think, uh, uh, what form should that take? Boy, um, it's a tough one. Uh, you know, we know that cash for clunkers was got a lot of fanfare, but in the end probably didn't do exactly what we needed to do. We don't need a stimulus bill like that in any way, shape or form. Um, do I think the automakers are going to need help? Um, I think they probably are, but I got to tell you, a lot of others are too. You got the airlines in Washington beating on them. You got the automakers, you have others. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of impressed at the way I've seen our automakers in the U.S. kind of bounce back my worry is you saw Ford open up and then close for two days. Um, I think what you're going to see, John, is probably a focus on basic getting cars out. Some of the mobility things they had in, in, in the works, uh, some of the EV things they had in the works. I mean, right now, you aren't going to see a big automaker totally revamp their plant and retrofit it so they can start making EVs. So I think we're going to see that extension going out. I think they're going to limp through, but I think they're in a much better place. The other thing I think that we do need to uh, we need to realize is 2008, 2009, the banks were in bad shape. You know, the banking system today, now we don't know how long this is going to go on, but the banking system today is in much better shape. We don't see, you know, as many high-risk loans. So I'm feeling like we can withstand this a little longer, and that in turn will help the automakers. 
Last thing on this that I worry about a little bit, and that is the first thing the automakers did when we got back in business, when dealerships were starting to open and so forth, they put these tremendous, tremendous incentives on cars and trucks. They did it too fast. They marked them down too fast. Now their inventory is running thin. And so I think you're going to see fewer of those. Uh, if you know, if you want to buy a car that's got close to what you want, you can still do it. But if you want a truck or SUV the way you want it, it's not there today at a lot of dealerships. Sandy, uh, we've seen Hertz go bankrupt. Uh, Avis is not doing so well, although they've, they've got a balance sheet to at least stay out of bankruptcy. But th these guys have needed to sell down their fleets because people aren't traveling. And even as the economy rebounds, uh, look, the first thing we were talking about here, people working at home, if companies realize that their employees don't need to go to the office, then they surely don't need to fly across the country to be at an in-person meeting in the office. So I, I, I wonder if travel will be permanently damaged here, or at least, you know, long-term damage. And if so, what does that mean for the rental car companies? What does that mean for their fleets? What are you going to see at your options? What's your outlook on, on that whole dynamic? So, David, um, this is one person's opinion. Uh, and, you know, I think we are in for a major, major reset on business travel. I do believe that, you know, that leisure travel in time will get back when people can afford it, when they feel safe flying and so forth. But I think we are in for a major reset. Um, I, you know, far be it for me to, uh, you know, opine on some of this. Uh, I worry about my business more than I do Hertz's. But if you look, you guys are, you know, really, really good uh, business writers and researchers. If you look at the history of Hertz over the last 10 years, that company, wow, there's been some real mismanagement. I mean, how they could have 17 to $18 billion of debt on a company like that and, and someone let them do that, I think is just terrible. Um, Avis and other big customers and partner of ours, you're right, they're okay today, but I don't know if they can get past the first of the year if things don't start uh, bouncing back. So I think we're in for a major reset. I think that changes a lot of things uh, overall in business. This is again, my personal opinion. Do we need three to five big rental car companies? I mean, we need a couple for competition, but I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked, everyone says I'm crazy. I wouldn't be shocked after the first of the year to see Hertz and Avis you know, if Hertz gets back, have some type of a merger. I don't know. That's just, I don't have any inside information. It's just crazy. There are other industries. I was talking this morning with some industry people. I mean, think about this. Not only are people not getting back to the office, how many people are usually using cash today? I mean, almost everything you're using, you don't want to handle cash. You don't want to touch cash. I mean, what happens to companies like Brinks and other companies? Um, what happens uh, I have to tell you, I went to my dry cleaner the other day. I haven't taken something to the dry cleaner. You can see my attire I haven't for, for weeks. And I went in there to pick something up and, and he looked at me and he's, I kind of know him and I, you know, I take care of him. He looked at me, he goes, my business is really, I mean, nobody's dry cleaning anything. You know, we don't need our slacks. Women don't need whatever, you know, they were wearing. We don't need long sleeve shirts uh, that are pressed. So I think there are a number of economies that are going to be affected by this and there'll be a lag in how that happens. Sandy, can, yeah, can I, this is a somewhat on, on the same topic. I mean, for years and years and years and years, I mean, you know, you, the people who work with you and lots of other people have been saying, you know, the traditional auto dealership has to change. And, and it seems like this shock has started to really accelerate real change, you know, shift toward online uh, selling uh, away from sort of the traditional practices of F&I. Um, can you speak to that? And what are you seeing there in terms of your business and how long term do you feel like the big, the big change in the way cars are sold? and delivered, it, it, you know, how that's shaping up. That's an extremely, extremely timely question. But first of all, uh, first of all, we, we had 
kind of a, a digital suite of products that we give away to our auto trader customers. And it's everything from being able to do a virtual test drive to being able to do uh, different pieces of the walk around and get into the F&I and so forth. 500 of our customers have taken us up on that suite of products. Starting on March 15th, we went out and said, we will give this to anybody who wants to install it. It's very simple to use. And there's a bunch of different pieces to it. 10,000 of our customers had this installed by the middle of April. So you would think that they have seen the light and a lot of this is gonna change. And I do believe that it's changed the way things are going. People want an omni-channel uh, experience. When I start looking at a car online and I go as far as giving my credit information, when I walk in the dealership or they deliver it to me, I want that experience to continue. We have not had a lot of dealers that have, that have, that have bought onto that. They are seeing religion now, and I think it is. I have to tell you, we've done some other sentiment stuff the last week, and some of the dealers who've gotten a real head start coming out of this, too many of them, I'm hearing them say, well, we might go back to business as usual because we were successful. Um, God help all of us if that happens. If we don't learn something from this, this situation and what we're doing, um, I believe that there is a new normal, and I believe that the digital tools, I mean, we, were, we are at the point now where with, with, and all companies are doing this. I can only speak for Cox Automotive. We are now able, we are able to uh, get 30 of 33 signatures to buying a car. So you only need three signatures. Now, every state is different and they've all got different laws and so forth. But on the whole, um, I, I just hope that dealers understand what they've adopted during this time is gonna be the new norm. I mean, service is another great area. We've launched a bunch of products that's basically touch us. Um, we have products and, and software tools that um, you know, we can make your appointment for service. Uh, they can do touchless picking up your car. They can return it. Or if you get there, drop it off. If there's a loaner, you don't have to talk to anyone. Um, let me give you one other real quick one. And, and again, I'm not, this isn't the sales pitch, but we have a little company we bought called Ride Clean. We bought it a year ago. It, it can wash a car in three to five minutes using only one, well, actually four to six minutes using one gallon of water. Sustainability is extremely important to us. Um, we went, as soon as it started, uh, we sat down as a team and we said, what's the next thing we need to worry about? That's disinfecting a car. I'm just not getting into an Uber or a Lyft until I feel comfortable that that car has some process. Uh, we now have a, a product uh, that disinfects a car and kills every virus. It's EPA approved, the chemicals are approved. Um, and so I think there are so many new things that have to happen out there. And I believe only the dealers and, and you know others in this market who adopt those type uh, of, of uses will be successful because I think the demand from people will be different going forward. Sandy, Sandy have you heard from consumers? What do they think about all this online buying? Um, you know, it's interesting. We now have uh, data that tells us 60% uh, of consumers, this was two weeks ago we did the survey, 60% of consumers said they would be comfortable doing the entire process online and having that car delivered to you. Um, now, uh, you know, this a car is not like Zappos. You can't take the shoes and put them back in the envelope and just mail them back. Yet, let's face it, all of these folks who are doing this are saying you can have a seven-day guarantee. I mean, everything from Carvana to Vroom to traditional dealers. So I think we've got to, you know, we've got to do things differently. But if 67% of those are comfortable, uh, I have to tell you, we're racing towards a point where I think the consumer will get very comfortable doing business online like this. And the tools have to get better. Look, we're part of, we've been part of the problem and now we're part of the solution. We've been working and investing for three years 
uh, you know, Joe, you asked about the F&I tools. Look, you know, a dealer wants to make sure that when they sell that car, they have the opportunity to sell wheel warranties. They have the opportunity to sell everything else that comes in that F&I workshop. And we've developed everything from videos for the dealer to show what that F&I is like. Uh, I likened this to years and years ago when, and this isn't how it happened. I don't want any dealer to get upset with me, but you know, they'd lock in a room, they wouldn't let you out until you signed this and that, you know, that's the extreme. But today, the ease of how we do that will make, John, will make consumers feel comfortable. And to me, it's all about this frictionless experience and we've got to make it better for them to have the trust and transparency. Sandy, you said something a few minutes ago that you're not going to get into an Uber or Lyft unless you know it's been sterilized by the hazmat team. Um, like I think I don't think you're alone in that. So is this a nail in the coffin for that business? They were already losing money. It's already you know the, the day when they can make money is pushed further out all the time because uh, self-driving technology is simply not ready for robo taxi and, and and the streets. Now you have this other reason for people just to not use the service. What's your outlook for those guys and, and so that business? So um, I'm confused, David. <laughs> I wish I wish I had the answer. I, I just made the statement, and, and I'm a big Uber and Lyft uh, user. I, I made the statement that I wouldn't get in there, but I have to tell you that last night they delivered dinner to me, and I didn't fumigate <laughs> it before I brought it in the house. So <laughs> I don't know where we're going on this, but I think things are going to change. I think it's. I think what's happening is goods will be moved, and goods will be moved in a lot of different ways. I definitely believe, David, that it will get recalibrated. I don't know where it'll end up. I will tell you this, though. Um, you know, I'm an old-time guy that you know sometimes doesn't understand something. I don't understand uh, the valuation of these companies over the last year when I don't see a huge pathway to profitability. So will it be a nail in the coffin? I, I'm not going to go that far, but boy, they've got a ways to go if they're going to get to some profitable state. And we all know that you know, there's darlings of Wall Street for a long time. And at some day, some time, everyone's got to pay the piper and you got to get to some level of profitability. I mean, let's talk about, you know, one of our partners and someone I'm very close to, which is Carvana. Um, you know, their valuation continues to go up, yet they continue to lose a lot of money. Now, I think they're very smart operators. I think they've got a great plan, but everything's going to have to go right for them to get the profitability at some point. I can't believe Wall Street continues to reward them until we see that profitability coming. It's going to be a really interesting one to watch over the next few years. Hey, and with that, we're going to have to wrap this up. Sandy Schwartz, thank you so much for your insights. Really good vision and, and look into what's going on right now. Thanks, John. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And David and Joe, you guys, uh, we're all in this together. You know, you guys ask great questions. Uh, love talking to you guys. Yeah, thanks, David, David, Joe, thanks again for being on the show, thanks, you guys. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Underwriting has been provided by RSM, providing audit, tax, and consulting services in the middle market automotive industry. for challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax and consulting for the middle market.